motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Everyone, welcome back and another episode of the podcast with, uh, this time we're going back overseas. I know I did a podcast with Mark the other day and, uh, you know, we're just going global these days and I think it's great to hear from loads of different people in different countries because for me, property is a business and the core business principles are always the same and it's good to kind of hear it from different perspectives, different regions, different countries. So, uh, Victor um is part of um one of my mentor groups and is a property flipper in the states um you know seven figure business and clearly knows what he's talking about so uh welcome victor um thanks for doing this thanks so much for having me i'm excited to share what i know with your audience yeah cool so um so obviously property is property it works pretty <laughs> simple ways uh, you buy it, you sell it, you make some money, or you rent it and make some money. Um, I am very much into the buy and hold strategy. Obviously, you buy and flip. Do you want to just tell us a bit about why why that is for you, and you know why maybe you don't hold property, and you know what 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 led you into flipping as opposed to kind of the way I do, it, which is holding onto it and then generating cash flow from it. For sure. So I really like the flipping. It just it suits my personality more. So I really like where you have a before and the property is a lot of work and you fix it up and there's a transformation and then there's an after and it looks really nice and then you sell it and you're done. I get a big check. I walk away with a big check. I don't have to deal with the property anymore. I've done a lot of the buy and hold and there's nothing wrong with buy and hold. It's, it's an excellent strategy. I'll eventually get back into it. Um, but with the buy and hold, like you buy, you rent it out, and then you're on the hook with maintenance and you know keeping the on top of that property for a longer period of time. So I really just like the the flipping, um, just you know get in, get out, big check, move on. And part of what I recommend too is you can always use flipping as a way to generate cash and lots of capital. Uh, typically, my flips you know make 20, 30, 40k net uh, U.S. dollars. By the way, uh, 20, 30k, 40 uh, net. And then some people want to, not me, I want to do other flip, but some people then put that into property, put that into mm-hmm. buy and hold properties. Um, so that's why I recommend, that's why I like the flipping. It's just done. I don't have to deal with any hassles. I can just move on, do volume, but yeah. that's how I look at it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of people, as you say, mix the flipping strategy in here for effectively, some people might say, oh, I'll do one or two flips a year and that's my income. And then, you know, they're constantly using their pot of money to build their net wealth and build build that cash flow up, which obviously comes in every month. So uh, similar sort of strategy does go on here. I think you're, you obviously do this in volume, so that works very well for you because obviously, you know, you generate a lot of cash and, you know, it's quick. You've got a team that, that's doing it for you and, and that works really well. How does the um, How does the tenancy system work over there? Like over here, if a tenant doesn't pay now, they can pretty much pay, not pay for six months and get away with it before we can even kick them out. So um, I'd be interested to find out what how, what are the kind of laws over there if you get bad tenants or they don't pay or how does that kind of work? Oh, no, that's, that's yeah, no, I'm happy to share the United States example. So it's going to be different per state. So we have 50 states uh-huh. here and each state has different rules. So if you go to a California or New York, for example, it's going to be similar 
where if they're not paying, you can't kick them out for you know six months, sometimes up up to a year uh, while you're either taking them to court or pursuing legal action. Uh, so that's not fun if you're yeah. a landlord, you have to wait a whole year to get someone out if they're not paying. Um, so for me in my state, because I live in Florida, it's a little bit different. It's a little more lenient, a little more pro-business, pro-landlord. You can typically get people out pretty quickly. Uh, this was pre-corona, but you can typically you know, get the eviction process done within you know less than a month month or okay. two um, yeah. I'm always a, a huge proponent of just working with the tenant if they're not paying or there's something going on uh, I'm a huge proponent of like just working with them or doing we call it cash for keys over here so just to pay them to move give them 500 bucks a thousand bucks just to move because there's a loss you know lost rent uh, like you're still on the hook for bills mortgage uh, property insurance utility not utilities but property tax. Yeah. And you're on the hook for all these things. I'd rather just get another tenant in there that's good. So I've done that quite a bit. Cash for keys. Just, hey, here's some money. Just get out of here, basically. And a lot of people... Is is that allowed over there? Is that a legal thing? Because I think it it goes on here, but it's technically probably flirting with the rules slightly. Mm -hmm. So it's it's legal over here. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Is it illegal over there in the UK? Uh, yeah, it's kind of flirt, flirting with the rules a bit. You, oh, you know, it, it it does go on. You meant to, you know, go through the proper channels, but yeah. you know, it it is a it is a way to do things. Um, but yeah, so it has the because I was used to be two months, right? And then during COVID, it went to you know, it's kind of extended and extended now, and now it's six months before you can kick them out. So um, or even start the, the court claim, pretty much. So. Has that extended through COVID for you guys as well, or has it always been six months? No, it's the same same thing. Um, the issue is, again, we have to look at Florida law. Uh, part of the thing, especially with Corona, what was happening was they would say, okay, this is the set date when you can start evicting again. But then the day before, they would push it back another 30 days. And then the day before that, they would push it back. So it happened where it was supposed to be opening up last June or last July of 2020, and then it got pushed back, and then it got pushed back. And I think it's open now, if I'm not mistaken, but it got opened up back in December or something like that. It just, it took a long time, but they would always extend it, re-extend it last minute. And then there, there's the problem here where there's different layers of government. So it's like, like, who do you listen to? So for example, like CDC has their rules where you can't evict for a certain time frame. Your state has different rules. So you can't evict for a different time frame. Your local county area has different rules. So it's really tough to, to play around with, like, who do I listen to? Who who has the real authority? Um, it's just, it's a tricky situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, um, how has the flipping game been affected? Or has it not been affected? Or has it enhanced? You know, what's kind of, how is that? I don't get involved in that. So mm-hmm. I can kind of have a good idea. I mean, property prices have gone mental here. So um, <laughs> since lockdown. Like property prices have they've just gone crazy. I mean, they're, they're tailing off a bit now, and it's getting a bit more back to normal. Was that similar over there, or which way has it kind of gone? No, it's, it's fascinating what's happened. If you ask me about what I was going to predict pre-corona, right when it was happening, um, I was gonna I was kind of slowing down the flipping. I was like, okay, we need to re-strategize because of the pandemic. Is what I was thinking. I was thinking it's going to slow down the market. Like it's going to be harder to sell property. You know, it's going to be much harder to get the prices we want. So I was starting to rethink and reshift back then. But then the opposite happened. So the market got hotter, just like you guys. The market got hotter. Um, There were, first off, for the U.S., interest rates lowered. So now it's much cheaper to buy property for people. 
Um, there were obviously lots of people get mortgages for houses and uh, it was much, much cheaper. Like the monthly payments were getting cut. Um, so it was just, it was just a spree, a huge spike in demand. A ton of people like, okay, I got to buy a place. Interest rates are super low. We don't know how much longer they're going to be this low. So there's a huge spike in demand. And then supply lowered just because people were afraid of having strangers walk through the walk through their house or go through their house, uh, especially with the pandemic, Corona going on. So supply was down. Supply down, demand up, prices went up. Um, what we've seen is, especially for flipping, um, I always think that it's the same amount of difficulty. So when flipping, we're on both sides of the transaction. We got to buy it and then we got to sell it. And I always think it's the same amount of difficulty, no matter what. So what we saw now was it was harder to buy, but easier to sell. Like you would put a property on the market, multiple offers within a couple of days, sold easy. But it's harder to find property uh, versus if you look at like 08, 09, it was super easy to buy, but harder to sell. So I always think it's that trade-off where it's the same amount of difficulty. And especially with Corona, the market's you know, sped up, heated up, where it's even crazier. Things are selling quicker. Things are selling for more. Uh, I'm sometimes surprised where I look at I look at a market or neighborhood that I've known for a while and suddenly like a house pops up. I'm like, there's no way that's going to sell. There's no way that that's going anywhere. And then it sells. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess I guess I was wrong. And uh, we've been the same way. Like, you know, my, my team are out looking at stuff and they're like, it needs to be this. I'm like, I'm not paying that for that house. It's not worth it. And then I'm like, how do we get on with that one? Like, like where, have you followed up? Yeah, it's sold like over asking price. And you're like, who has bought that house? Like, it's like fortunes overpriced. But yeah. I think um, it's, I feel like it's definitely starting to die off a bit now. Um, I thought afterwards when it started to happen, you could think, okay, fair enough. There's pent up demand. Uh, people haven't been able to do anything for two, three months. They've probably had a, been locked in the house and thought this house isn't suitable in case this happens again. We need to move. They did a stamp duty, so a tax break over here uh, for for residential purchasers to try and get the market going. Uh, mm-hmm. That worked incredibly well. And then I, I think everyone was a bit like, okay, that'll happen for a couple of months and then it'll die off. And you know, here we are, like seven months on. And- and it, I would say it's just starting to kind of trickle down a bit, but um, it's been, mm-hmm. it's been, you know, you've had to fight for deals and really scratch. And, you know, we would a bit like, you know, your supply demand sort of thing. We, we've, we've struggled to find the right deals that suit our business model. We've had to change slightly how we're buying uh, in the short mm-hmm. term, but um, it feels as though it's going back a bit towards what it was before and where it should be. And, and then I guess the question is, you know, a lot of people are like the doom and gloomers sort of, oh, it's going to be like 30, 40% knocked off house prices in the next year when all this comes to fruition and when all the job losses increase and all this sort of stuff. And um, that doesn't seem to be happening at all. I personally don't think it will happen. I think we'll just go back to normal levels. But um, yeah, you just don't know these days, do you? I mean, it's like... You don't know, yeah. It's, That's uh, I was one of the doom and gloomers. I'm like, this is, you know, we're going to have a correction. We're due for one. It's been, you know, 10 years, 11 years since our last recession. And I don't see it happening. I've seen the same as you where it's slowly getting back to normal, but it's not quite there yet in terms of where it was a year ago. So it's it's getting there slowly, but uh, still pretty slow. Not quite there yet. Yeah, I think it, it's. It's whether it goes from normal to bad, right? That's I think that's what everyone's kind of waiting for, and it's like because I think the 
the mentality here is everyone's on. So we have a thing called furlough here where basically the government's paying for everybody's wages for the companies that can't go to work. So rather than the job losses happening, the government are paying their wages for the companies. So it's kind of like stopping the job loss uh, rising. So everyone's kind of saying, okay, well, that's fine for now. But the minute that the government take that away and businesses have to fend for themselves again, that's when they think that everything's going to sort of like drop off a cliff because businesses will just shed staff, realize they don't need these staff anymore. Uh, Maybe they haven't got the business that they used to have, that type of stuff. But it's all just this unknown, you know, like no one can predict anything now. I think it's just... Mm-hmm. Um, it is unknown. So, how do you um, how do you mentally sort of push through that? Because you know, for me, if I get stuck in a property, I buy it below market value. So, if I my worst case scenario is I can just sell it and I'll get my money back out. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're flipping, right? So, if you buy wrong, you're going to lose money, right? Or you're going to end up with a property around your neck. I imagine with a load of cash tied up for quite an amount of time which will slow your growth. So how do you kind of mentally push through that? Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. So typically how I handle it, it's actually the flip case. So typically we shoot to sell the property. And if for whatever reason we can't sell it, then we actually rent it out. And we can do some sort of like Burr strategy or refinance strategy, like pull out all our money. Um, We have a rental, which is great. It's not our primary exit strategy. It's more like a secondary one. Uh, but we're still, you know, out of the deal. We have a cash flowing asset, so that's how I typically think about it. I had that happen recently on a property. Um, so out of the, I did about twenty flips last year, and out of one of them, it didn't go through. It didn't happen. What happened was we bought a property, fixed it up, listed it. We got a close to a full offer within a within a week, so we're super happy about that. Had it under contract for one thirty two. And then how it works, there's a process for closing, especially since these guys were getting a mortgage here locally. Uh, and it went through an appraisal process. And the appraisal process like comes up with a fair market valuation. We were at 132 initially with the contract. It came in at 109. So that just that just killed us. We would have taken a loss on the property. Uh, so at that point, we're like, okay, cool. Uh, let's, you know, this property is not going to work to sell it. So we turn it into a rental. And now it's a cash flowing rental. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are in the process of refinancing and pull our money out. Um, so it's not a huge loss. It's still it's still a good deal. Uh, we follow the same principles. Like if you buy it at the right price, you can do anything with the property and you know still be profitable. Yeah. You, know, you can't mess up. So you kind of work the other way around for me then. So like my first strategy is the rental, and my exit strategy is the flip. If it doesn't, you know, it doesn't come in on a number. So yeah, that, that's yeah. interesting. Um, I I'm always surprised at how quick my wife watches all the. New York flipping houses and all that sort of stuff and Hollywood Hills and all that sort of stuff. And, and they're always talking about like this 21 day closing and uh, like there's a 35 day sort of like exchange or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I just always think like it takes us months to do anything here. Like how, like, so how does the process work? How, how, how does it, it just seems super quick. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I know we were talking about that before and I was surprised how long it takes over there. So typically, if it's a cash deal over here, if someone buys a property cash, within two weeks, you can close. Uh, If someone buys a conventional loan, conventional mortgage, 30 days, typically. If someone buys it like FHA or like a government back, like a VA, USD, all that stuff, it'd be like 45 days to close. 
Um, sometimes it's taken a little bit longer, maybe up to 60 days, you know, especially with Corona, like maybe the appraiser takes a little bit of time. Everyone's busy. Everyone's swamped. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer to close, but it's, it's never taught. It's never taken six months to close anything, luckily. Um, and that's part of the, the value of flipping over here. I can see why you want to focus on renting over there. If it takes that long to close something, I would focus on renting. If I were there, if I were in the UK, like let's just do the buy and hold Airbnb yeah. group. For me, I can, I'm in and out of a property with renovation, listing, uh, getting under contract, closing four months is my average four months end to end. Yeah. And yeah. because of that, I can turn my money quick. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Um, next flip, next flip, next flip, keep my money moving. Um, yeah. if I were, and this is, I mean, this is kudos to you. You're doing absolutely the right thing over there. Um, if I were you in your shoes, if I were in the UK, I'd just be doing buy and hold. Uh, I don't want to wait, you know, four months, six months to close a thing. And it's happened a few times where something comes up, um, in the middle of closing and you can't close the deal anymore. Just like I gave my example, like it didn't appraise. So I can't imagine going through that process in the UK and then being like, well, you know, a month before you're supposed to close you're five months into it or what have you. It's like, oh, we can't close because of X, Y, Z didn't happen or paperwork is missing or whatever. It's like, okay, we got to start again. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a different. We, we can't even like, you talk about like, even if they go for a mortgage, you're talking 30 days. You'd be lucky if you get a like mortgage offer in 30 days from us. And then it has to go into legals. And then it, you know, they take their time doing that. And, you yeah. know, it's like from, from finding a property. So like we start the search today, we agree the deal today. Um, it'll take probably, I mean, I've done cash deals in like three to four weeks um, okay. where it's been company sales, everything's prepared, ready to go. But a cash sale from someone that's not ready to go, they've not like engaged any solicitors, they've not got their, their documents in place yet. You know, they, they're like three months in solicitors, two, 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 three months in solicitors. Then you get the keys, then it takes you a month to refurb it. And then you go for either the refinance or to sell it. You know, as you say, you're like six, seven months probably before you could even flip it or, or refinance it sometimes. I, I have done them quicker. You know, I have had some sort of 10, 12-week ones where everything's been company sales, quick process, we're ready, and then, you know, the refurb has been all set up and ready to go. But it um, it just it blows my mind how we're so slow at it and, like, all these other countries can seem to manage to do it, but we – we we can't and it's just it's so frustrating especially when you're 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 on that wheel and, and you mm -hmm. want to move quickly and mm -hmm. so um you know the only way we can move quicker is basically get more funding from somewhere um you know because your pot of money can only go so far mm -hmm. which is fine in a way because i think there's plenty of investors out there who've got money as you've explained before the interest rates are rubbish in a bank so you know not everyone is into property Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say property is the safest stock or share in inverted commas that you can buy. So, you know, there are plenty of people out there that are willing to invest once you've got your track record and once you're up and running and you can prove that you can, you know, honor the payment and give them the money back at the end of it. But um, it would be a lot easier if it was quicker and you could just do it on your own dollar and just be like, boom, 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 and just rotate it all the way through. So, um so yeah, so it's it's very very interesting. So what's in store for you this year? Are you just kind of same old? Are you venturing anywhere new, or you know what's what's up your sleeve? I like to keep it focused, so it's going to be more flips. So I did twenty last year, two zero. I want to do thirty this year, uh, three zero. Um, for my flips, I don't know how you do it uh, for your for your deals, but I try to keep it as local as possible. So I only do my county. So everything I do is within an hour driving distance. 
Um, I don't do the virtual stuff as much, like doing deals in New York or California or across the country. I like to keep it local. If heaven forbid, I need to pop into a property real quick, you know, 15 minutes drive, check on it, see what's going on. Uh, knowing all the contractors locally. So just more deals, you know, what I'm doing is working. So I just want to do more of the same, um, especially that's the thing. Once you have like a proven model that works and you're yeah. on that exponential growth, you just want to keep on that curve. You just want to yeah. keep on going. And uh, I call it the rin- rinse and repeat. Just rinse and repeat. And and it is, it's like once you've, once you've got a formula that works, why, yeah. why change it? I mean, you know, you can go into different exit strategies, the way you maybe run the properties or whatever, but the ultimate, if you can find deals, source deals, do the numbers, agree them, fund them, that's kind of the, the hard part of it. And then yeah. just, you know, just, just rinse and repeat the model. And um, yeah, and, and just just keep going. Do you have a specific type of property that you buy? We're I'm pretty, pretty agnostic. I'm pretty open. I've done condos, townhomes. I've done mobile homes. I've done normal houses. Um, as long as the numbers work, that's how I look at it. You know, as long as the numbers work, then I'm happy to hop into a hop into a deal, hop into a property. Um, I've never done land or new construction, but it's typically like here's an existing structure. It probably needs work. Maybe it needs a new roof or new flooring, whatever. Okay, fix it up and sell it. Um, yeah. So, you know, just residential stuff, no commercial stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really focus on the residential. Again, it goes to focus where as long as something's working, just you know, just ride that curve. Um, just yeah. Rinse and repeat. Uh, I don't want to. Anytime I've gone into something new, um, I've always been penalized. Like it looks shiny from the outside. And it's like, okay, cool. This is awesome. And then you get into it and it's like, okay, I got to learn a lot and get into it. Um, so just stick to something that's proven, stick to something that works. You know? Yeah. I've, I've, I've got one. It's funny you should bring that up. I've got that decision to make. Uh, <laughs> so I'm very much just like residential, uh, you know, small refurbs, turn the money as quick as possible, get tenants in and then, and then move on. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm actually going on Friday to look at a potential conversion into 16 flats. Okay. And, you know, something like that's a development in my eyes. It's going to be 18 months rather than like a few months. So, you know, the money's getting tied up a bit longer. But uh, I don't know whether I'm doing it because I'm bored with the current sort of, you know, just it's working, it's fine. And, and it's great, don't get me wrong. But I think I just kind of want to, get a bit excited about something um, or whether uh, obviously the end numbers kind of make it quite appealing as well. The only thing that is putting me off is 18 months of no cash flow mm-hmm. and constantly paying out. And um, 18 months will more than likely turn into two years. I think we all know that. So uh, yeah, it's, that's, a, I mean, I'm going to go and see it on Friday and see if it is what I think it is. And, and but if it is, I've got some decisions to make and um, it's, it's, do you do it or do you just, stick to what you know and just keep repeating that model. You know, I think um, it, that's the tricky decisions that I think we have to come up across. So, um, so I've made pen- plenty of mistakes. What's the biggest mistake you've made? I that think, the, I wonder, yeah, think. no, for sure. I think the biggest mistake I made, and this is there's mistakes made from action and then there's mistakes made from inaction. So tying back to what you said earlier, I was thinking even back in like 2016, 2015, I was like, this market's crazy for real estate, this property market, there's no way it's going to sustain, it's going to go down this year, Uh, I'll wait for it to go down and then I'll get started. And that was like 2015, like 2016 happened and years clicked on, clicked on. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, um, it's not crashing, let me get started into it. 
And then I got started into it and went full time and then started doing more flips and uh, grow the exponential curve, just like we're talking about. My first year I did two flips, then the next year I did eight, then last year I did 20, then I want to do 30. Um, so my my biggest mistake honestly was inaction. I was just waiting and waiting for the perfect time. And there's no perfect time and you can't predict the future. You don't know what's going to happen. There's always uncertainty and that never goes away. And part of the thing is people, especially when I talk to beginners, like I'm going to wait a year or two, I'm going to wait. And it just happens waiting, 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 and then nothing happens. And you talk to them five years later and they're like, oh yeah, I, I never got started. They never got started. And I can relate to that because that's what I went through. Um, so I recommend, and this is my this is my thing as well. This is the the piece, the recommendation I want to make. Just get started. You know, just get your first one, ride that curve, rinse and repeat, and you'll be surprised where you're at. You know, five years from now, even ten years from now. Um, but my my biggest mistake was honestly lack of lack lack of action. Not that I did something and messed up, because I can always learn from that and take that and you know improve that and take that and put it into something else and learn from it. Okay. Not make that mistake again, which that, that inaction. That yeah. hundred percent. The best time to start something's now. Yeah. Always. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, um, there was plenty. So we had Brexit going on over here where we were leaving the European union and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that started 2017 or 18, no, 18, I think. Um, and everyone said, like, Oh, the property market's going to crash 30%. So I'm going to wait until it's over. And the property market went up 2%. It's like, so all those people that sat on the sideline, like mm-hmm. wasted a year. Everyone else was sweeping up, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that just just get going, you know, give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? You know, as long as you protect yourself on the downside and don't do anything too stupid and, you know, don't go into anything. Like don't go into a 16 flat development when you haven't even done like a small little renovation. You know, it's like make sure that you, you're doing doing things in stages and building it as your experience builds, as your teams build, as your mindset builds, you know, because there is a lot. I remember um, the first buy let that I ever had. So I got it. We had it refurbed and then the builders give me the keys back. And then I went around, checked it off and then I locked it up. And I remember being at home that night thinking, what if someone breaks in? There's no one in there. And like starting like and getting all weird about and theory about like an empty property. And now I've got like, I'll have properties sat now empty, whether they're service accommodation units and we've just got no guests in or whatever, you know, but it's like these stupid little fears that like enter our minds and it's like, oh, I don't know whether I'm cut out for this. I can't have these properties empty. It's like, I don't like it. And, you know, it's just weird, like stupid little things that hold us back. And you've just got to, I've just kind of learned to kick them to one side now and just, just, just march on with your plan, you know, and just commit to it and go and, you know, my wife's constantly saying, just calm down, just calm down, take it easy, you know, go slower, you know, and there's so many of these type of people as well. Like, just just, just take it easy, you know. Are you sure you want to do that? You know, you've got a good business going. And uh, I think for those people as well, and it's hard when they're close to home, but, like, you've really got to, like, not listen to them. You know, if you're confident in what you're doing, just go and do it, you know. And there's a reason why they're probably trying to hold you back. And half it is protection, but what are they protecting you from? Because they don't know the facts either. They don't know how to do it either. So, um, you know, go and, go and do it. It's, um, yeah, best advice ever. So great advice there. Um, so as we wrap up, do you want to, I sometimes get the guests to ask me questions, but I know we've spoke a lot over the last few weeks, so we've had quite a bit of time together uh, in various platforms. But um, is anything you want to ask or any, any other tips you want to give the audience before we, we shoot off? 
I think when it comes to, to real estate, I just want to reiterate what I've said before. So I, I would much rather you start and take some sort of action, make a mistake and learn from it. Cause then you can put that into something bigger and like, okay, cool. Now you've learned now do better. I'd rather you do that than not do anything at all. Cause if you, the thing is, if you don't do anything at all, you know what the results are going to be. You can look back in the past um, and know what's going to happen because you've experienced that. Like if you don't change anything, nothing's going to change. Uh, that's that's pretty much how it is. So if you need to do something new, you need to make a change and you're going to experience that. So I would much rather you just tying back to what we've been talking about. I would much rather you take action and mess up. And typically that's not what happens. Like typically you take action and it goes great. Or it goes yeah. I'd r- rather you take action and mess up and at least have a good story and at least have some experience than not take any action at all. That's, that's my biggest take. Yeah. I think the mess ups are well as well. They're never as big as what you think they're going to be in your head. Right. That prevents you from taking that action in the first place. You know, that you can always kind of solve a problem nine times out of 10. So yeah. great advice, Victor. Uh, absolute pleasure talking to you again. And uh, I'm sure we will be hooking up soon. Um, but thank you very much uh, for coming on and, and giving us your time today. Thanks for having me. This has been fantastic. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs>